So um, I told a few people already this morning, I'm like, man, I have a message, but I don't have a message. So I hope you guys are not scared by that. Because no matter what I have to finish, there's another service. But, you know, I've been like playing with this idea of God making us. And I, I want to go to our scriptures that we've been going to for the last several weeks in Matthew chapter 4. And you know, I may share a different message in the 11. I don't know. But point being, I've been rolling this around in my heart about God making us all week. And, and, uh, and I've been a little antsy to get to the whole uh, fishers of men part, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because I'm really excited about us fishing for men. I'm really excited about not just us reading the Bible, but the Bible reading us. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because you don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. The Bible actually prophesies to you what is available for you in your life. And so when we read passages about fishing for men... It's almost like the spirit jumps off the page and gives us CPR and says, are you fishing for men? Because if you're not, the Jesus that you're following is. So how closely are you following? That's what I mean by the Bible reads us. We are convicted by the spirit saying, man, there is more available for me. And so that's what's been happening to me as I have read this one single passage of scripture like a thousand times in the last eight weeks. So let's read it one more time. Matthew chapter 4, we'll read verse 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Everybody say, he saw. He saw. That's an interesting word to point out, but I think we'll be able to dive into it a bit. He saw two brothers. How many of you guys know that you're seen by God? Yes. I mean, I know that sounds simple. I know that sounds fundamental, but, but how many of you guys know like you're seen by God? <laughs> that God sees you. It's interesting to me that as we continue to read, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These, these, these gentlemen, they were brothers. They were going about their ordinary. They were going about their routine. They were just functioning in their nine to five. They weren't doing anything extra special. They didn't have any special pedigree. They hadn't performed any miraculous feat on behalf of God. They weren't particularly religious. They weren't well learned. And yet God, Adonai, the creator of the universe, walks the shoreline of Galilee in the flesh through his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he sees them. No matter how insignificant you feel, no matter how ordinary you think your life is, no matter how routine you feel like your schedule goes, God sees you. God is right in the midst of your routine looking right at you and he desires you. And he wants you and he's hungry for you. I hear from people all the time saying, man, I'm just hungry for God. You know, the truth is God's hungry for you. And the closer he gets, the more your spirit awakens. And you cannot help but to confess, I feel hungry for God. 
but it's not your strength that's drawing you closer. It's his passionate desire to see you and to be with you. And as he approaches you day after day, the spiritual appetite that we have, that we often neglect, becomes stirred because we truly know in our heart of hearts that the only thing that we really need is to be seen by God. If all else falls away, if everybody rejects us, if everybody oppresses us or talks about us, if the whole world leaves us, we know that Jesus is going to walk the shoreline of our day. He's going to call out to us. He's going to look at us right in the eye and he's going to give us identity and he's going to say, I see you. Oh yeah, I see you. Oh yeah, I know you've been overlooked, but I see you. Your teachers in school, they overlooked you. They didn't, they didn't graduate. They didn't put you into that religious academy that would allow you to become religious professionals. So you're out fishing in the midst of your routine. I see you. There's something about being seen by God that just changes everything. Amen? Because when you know that you're seen, anything is possible. These guys hadn't done anything yet. They hadn't done anything. And get this, they hadn't become anything yet. They hadn't been made by Jesus yet. They hadn't heard a sermon yet. They hadn't become a great person yet. They hadn't become righteous. They hadn't become a saint. They hadn't become a professional. They hadn't become successful. They hadn't become anything of any note whatsoever. And yet God says, I see you and I'm hungry for you. Did you know that the very essence of Christianity is to be desired by God? I'm going to try this side because I thought that was a good point. So like, did you know, like the very essence of our faith is to be desired by God. It's like, that's where the whole thing starts. It's not that you figure God out. It's not that you study up Jesus enough to intellectually give him consent to come into your heart. It's that God comes and he gets you. Because he can't hold himself back from you. He loves you so much that he desires you to, he just, I got to have you. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Know what I'm talking about? Like that's why you're saved. Because because God, He came and got you. Before you had become anybody great, God came and got you. Before these guys had done anything great, they hadn't performed any miracles. They hadn't preached any sermons. They hadn't become courageous. They hadn't been bold with their faith. They had done no evangelism. They had not spoken in a single church. They had done no mission trips. They had not fed the poor. They had not done anything of any great note. And yet God looks at them dead in the eye and he says, I see you. Right where you are, right in the midst of your mess, right in the midst of your stench, you smell like fish. I see you. So could I just say today that that God sees you? That God sees you right where you are. I don't care what you were doing two hours ago. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did last week. God is here today, not walking the shoreline, maybe walking the altar, maybe walking the aisle, but wherever it is, he's looking dead at you. And it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. God sees you. And he says this, he says, follow me. 
follow me. See, he invites us to see him. It's, it's not that he just looks at us and says, hey, I see you. It's that he invites us into an intimate relationship where he then allows us to see him. This is the God who created us. This is Alpha and Omega. This is the author and the finisher. This is the beginning and the end. This is the one who sees the beginning from the end. This is the all-powerful, omnipotent God. Have we stopped to consider the weight of the one who invites us? This is not just another religious teacher. This is not just a mystic. This is not just a prophet. This is God robed in the flesh who then comes and looks at you and says, look at me. I'm going to let you see me. I'm going to let you look upon God. I love you so much that I'm going to become vulnerable with you despite your size. You are tiny by comparison to who I am. Your glory and your righteousness, it's as filthy rags by comparison to my purity. And yet I am going to allow you to look upon me. Yes. Are you guys getting anything out of this? I told you I didn't really have a message. This is the message. So if you're waiting to take notes, I guess Brian's just going to play. So just keep playing, bro. I like this. Are you feeling this? <laughs> me, me and Brian, we're just going to have church. You invited, but if you don't want to get with us, <laughs> we, we're going to be all right. God says, hey, cut, see, look at me. See me. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the fact that God has given us permission to see him, to see God. Are you serious? You mean we get to actually see God like that's possible? What what makes us worthy to look upon the righteous God, our creator? What makes us worthy? And yet he says, Long before you've done anything, long before you've become anything, just see me. Look at me. You know, for years and years and years, I've always been taken by Exodus chapter 33. You guys know what happens in Exodus chapter 33? Like Moses, right? He goes up on the mount and he's invited by God, very, very similar to Jesus walking the shoreline and saying, come and follow me, right? Come up here, look upon me. God invites Moses. He says, come up to Mount Sinai. I want to speak with you. And so Moses goes up and he says, listen, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. Like we're not moving anywhere that your presence is not. We want to be with you. You are our sole affection. You are the source of our desire. If you're not in it, we don't want it. Like, and that's amazingly beautiful as a message for us even today. That if God's not in it, we don't want it. If Jesus isn't there, we say no thanks. Like this is the sole reason for our lives to see God and to share God. Like this message for me uh, in regards to Moses and his experience is something that has marked my life since the first week I was saved. I used to pray in my bedroom late at night 
to see God every single night. And I would get so scared that God would actually step out of eternity and into time that I would flip on all the lights in my upstairs where I was and I would pace around my bed with the TV on and the radio on and the CD player on and the fan on in the bathroom because I don't know why I thought just more noise or more light would make me feel a little bit better. But I was genuinely afraid that if God showed up, I would die. Which is a real expectation. I mean, remember whenever Peter finally recognized that Jesus was God, he hit his knees out at sea and he says, get out of my boat because I'm a sinner, man. I'm going to die. Right? And so I used to flick on all the lights and say, man, what if God actually shows up? What if God actually shows up? But there was still this like, there was this thing. It was like a seed. Maybe it was small, but I would still say under my breath in a whisper, but God, I want to see you. I'm like, man, I'm pretty scared right now. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what it's going to mean if you actually show up. I don't know what you're going to ask me to give up to climb any higher with you, but I want to see you. And see, there's something on the inside of you. If you confess to follow Christ, if you are a Christian, there is something on the inside of you that's an innate desire. It's in your genetic code. It's in your DNA that you have a raw zeal and a passion to behold the one who fashioned you because you are a child of God and therefore you long to look at your father. And, and, and you know, it, is it Colossians? Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you receive Jesus, Jesus lives on the inside of you and his natural habitat is glory. So unless you're abiding in that place of glory, there are times when you feel miserable. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And we're trying to figure out if we're being attacked by depression. But sometimes the solution is simply to expose yourself to the glory of God. To ask the Lord, hey, show up. And supernatural hunger can be supernaturally imparted. But often it's stewarded through intentional exposure to the glory of God. And, and for me, I was just like, I want to see you, God. I want to see you. 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 And I, I would do this every single day, every single night. My mom would fix dinner. Afterwards, my dad and I would watch a T.D. Jakes DVD. This is how I was discipled for nine months. My dad would pause the video, and then we would talk about the sermon. No lie. That's what we did for nine months, which is why I plagiarized the T.D. Jakes sermon for my first message. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you guys, I transcribed it. I wrote it out word for word. And when I got up to preach, I read it word for word. And people are like, man, that was a good message. I'm like, yeah, I know. Totally. It's a great message, wasn't it? They're like, man, for a first message, that was good. I'm like, it was a straight up T.D. Jakes message. Wasn't even mine. But this is what I did every night. I said, God, I want to see you. 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 And, and, and I spent so much time asking to see God, so much time asking to see God. And, and there were times when I would have experiences where undoubtedly something supernatural took place. I would have an encounter that would transform my life and make me different. And I came away from it saying, you know, I didn't see Jesus in the flesh. I didn't see him like I'm seeing you now. But I definitely saw God to such an extent that I know I'm different. Because encounters transform you, amen? Like, you can't always explain them, but you know that you're different afterwards. Yeah. 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 
How many of you guys have had an encounter with God where you, you could basically go back and circle it on your calendar and you could say, I didn't know it was happening in the moment. I didn't know it happened at the time, but that was a night where there was a prophetic pivot in my life. I can't explain the encounter, but I know I saw God because everything after that date has been different. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and for me, guys, I want to be honest. Like, I'm hungry for that for myself, but I'm hungry for that for us corporately. Because this is what the Lord whispered to me this week, that he's taking us from believers to lovers. And I, I know that's just dropping that little romantic one-liner in there. But like the, the, the point is like, I, I, I really feel like that's for us, like that we're going to go after seeing God in such a way that it's going to make a profound impact on us. That's going to make a profound impact on the nations. We may not know that it's happening, but it's happening. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I hope that my rambling is helping you this morning, but... And I'm going to make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. You know, they, they entered into a life of, of beholding God every single day, which is why they were able to be made by God. Because how many of you guys know that what you behold, you become? Yeah. Yeah. What you consistently look at, you will eventually embody. Yes. And that's why, that's why I, I, I'm worried that we would expose ourselves more to Instagram than we would to the scripture. Because what we look at day after day, night after night, moment after moment, it actually has the power to transform us. And what we see will, will determine what we live and what we say. And that, that's why it's so beautiful that Jesus would say, hey, I see you, but now I'm inviting you into a life of seeing me where you've actually been given permission to behold me day after day. It's the same permission that Moses was given on the mount, only greater so whenever he said, now let me see you. Let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. And so oftentimes we miss this, but God's like, well, hey, you know, you can't see me and live, but I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll, I, you know, I'm going to walk by and, and then I'm going to show you my butt. I, I know that sounds a little crude, but listen, the reason I'm saying that is because look at the vulnerability of your father, that God is so big and you're so small. And yet when we ask to see him, he says, this is how transparent I'm going to be. I'm going to get so intimate with you that I'll show you my backside. Like I'm going to be so vulnerable with you. I'm going to be so transparent with you that you're actually really going to know me. You're not just going to see my pretty side. You're not just going to see my best angle. You're not just going to see me with makeup on. You're going to see the raw, real, actual, functional elements of what makes me me because that's the type of relationship that I want to have with you. It's not a religious one. It's not a dry one. It's not one of routine. And one of external practices. It's one of reality. It's one of intimacy. It's one of vulnerability. It's one of a raw experiencing of I have seen you. You have seen me. And from that place, we co-labor. We do what you're supposed to do. You become who you're supposed to be. But until we've come to that place, we're severely missing out on what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross for you to experience. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel that I'm worthy to see God. Well, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Yes. Well, I don't feel that I'm big enough to see God. Well, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Yes. 
You don't get to determine the value of the blood. God has already done that for you. And he says it's enough. He says it's enough so that you can see. He says it's enough so that you can be free from your sin. He says that it's enough so that you can be delivered, so that you can be qualified to stand in the holy place, to be vulnerable with God, to behold his glory, to be transformed into his image, to see him so that you can see the world properly and that the world can see him properly in you. So I've just been fascinated by this. Man, God sees me. Hold up. Wait, just uh, God sees me. God sees me. See, there's something about understanding God's desire for you that awakens your desire for him. But so often we skip over it and we buy into something that we consider to be a belief system. Man, faith, even Asaph mentioned it this morning. Faith, it's this theology. It's believing all of the right things. It's doing all of the right things. And if we were honest with ourselves, that has made us exhausted. Man, I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm trying to suppress my sin. I'm trying to beat down my desires. I'm trying to bury those things so that they don't pop back up. But Jesus is not, he's not here to strengthen your old man. Right? Like you don't become more righteous by getting stronger and stronger. But it's more so by getting weaker and weaker because... You see, you see what I'm saying? Because you're, you're not going to ever be able to overcome the desires that get shot at you from all directions on Facebook. You're not going to be able to deal with that. I can promise you, you don't have enough strength because it's not by your strength that Jesus intends for you to be made. It's by seeing Jesus and Jesus making you into who you're called to become, which is not about you suppressing your desires. It's about your desires being satisfied in Christ. Well, the goal is just no desires, no desires. No, well, to do that, you'd have to be a Stoic. You'd have to be Buddhist. You would, you'd have to be of another world religion. And every world religion goes after this from the same, same angle. Yeah. Suppress, suppress, empty yourself, make yourself less of emotional, make yourself less where you have desire, make yourself less. See, Jesus doesn't take your desire away. He turns it up. He's like, hey, I don't have a problem with desire, but where is your desire fulfilled? Because I've fashioned you to have your desire fulfilled in me. And if you're looking for it anywhere else, you're going to end up in sin. But if you look for it any, in here, oh, I, you're going to see me. You're going to see me. You're, you, are you guys with me today? And there's just something about that. And, and uh, you know, I think I'll... I can close with a couple of stories, maybe. And Come on. <laughs> but there's something I like that. That's the good. That's good. You're gonna get a, a bonus from my salary for that. I, I no, honestly, I, I've I tell the team like I want to plant you guys in like different areas of the uh, of the sanctuary. So if like one area or this area is like not excited that day, I'm like I want to plant you there and just get everybody excited. Just get there and sing the loudest, you know? Yeah, exactly. A hype man. Yeah, yeah. So I have a 9 a.m. hype man. Uh, it's a hype woman named Lindsay. 
And uh, I really like that about Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you guys like that about Lindsay? Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. Asaph was preaching one time, I almost threw my shoe at him. <laughs> this is too good. I have to hit you. But I mean, to be honest with you guys, like this has been rolling around in my heart all week because I'm like, God, I, like. We, we want to see you. Like there's something on the inside that's burning that says, God, we want to see you. Like all this passion and worship is not spiritual entertainment. It's not just religious calisthenics. Like there is something that's happening on the inside of us as a church, as a family, as a body. It's a craving that God has put there for himself. Yes. And, and he wants us to see him. Like he wants us to really behold him because he longs to make us. Because he's a, he's a big dad with a lot of kids, and he wants to meet them all. So, you know, you guys met my dad last week, and um, <laughs> he's great, right? Yeah. He's awesome. He, did he tell you he's adopted? No. Really? No. So one of the things I've always known about God from my pops is the power of the spirit of adoption and uh you know the spirit of adoption is not an easy thing to catch right like the revelation that i'm no longer an orphan but i'm a son you know and even once we learn that we're a son it's so often that we have these orphan tendencies right we live like nobody loves us or we don't have a home or we're not important or we don't have anything to offer you guys know what i'm talking about does it sound familiar it comes up on my radar at least once a month you know and i'm like uh uh satan i'm a son you guys know what i'm talking about and so my dad has always just carried this revelation of sonship and he's always talked to me about it for a long time. He's always talked to me about it. And it came up this week because I was thinking about seeing the father and I was thinking about the father's desire for us and how Jesus is walking the shoreline of our lives. And uh, I got to thinking about, about, about my dad being adopted. And, and uh, you know, 10 years ago, my dad actually discovered his biological mom. Wow. And uh, she lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. A very, very sweet lady named Patsy. And I've gotten to know her a little bit and hung out with her on a couple of occasions. And my dad looks just like her. And she's like, uh, she's, she's short. She's got this icy white hair, icy blue eyes. She's like uh, Nordic or Icelandic or something like that. So really cool restoration that God did there. But, you know, for many, many years, uh, my dad has had a desire. There's a desire for his father. We all, we all have that, right? We, and, and, and there's a desire for his father. He said, man, I really, I really want to meet, I would really like to be, meet my biological dad. And he's looked for him. We've hired a private investigator to look for him. Haven't been able to find him. And, and uh, so years and years have gone by. And my parents had just kind of gave up. And um, just recently, my dad was preaching a sermon on race. I'm super proud of him for preaching it as well. I, don't, I wish I could find it and I'll share it with you guys. But... Um, he, he decided to go to Ancestry.com and do a, like a DNA um, swab, uh, you know, to, to, to learn more about his, his origin, like where, where he's from, where we're from. Turns out we're Irish, <laughs> which I love. I love that. I'm just like, that is cool. 
because I was rooting for Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. Sorry, you guys. Um, but, you know, we, we found this out and, and um, really cool. But what's even cooler is that there were these names that popped up after the DNA went through where there were, there were two women that the system said were my dad's sisters. So he contacted them and he said, hey, I know this is a little strange, but, you know, Ancestry.com says that you guys are my sisters. And, and I was just wondering if, if that could even be possible. I don't know if you guys like want to meet or do another swab to see if we're siblings. And, and they said, yeah, we would, we would love to do that. We, we, you know, we didn't even know we, there was a possibility of us having a half brother, but sure, we'd love to do that. So they did that. They sent in the swabs, the tests come back. They are his sisters. And he knows this, that they don't have the same mom, so it's very obvious that he is about to know who his dad is. And, uh, and they said, yeah, we, you know, we, we, know, we know who your dad is, and uh, here's what he's like. And my dad started doing some research on what his dad was like. Come to find out, they have so many similarities, it is uncanny. I have so many sim- similarities uh, to my biological grandfather, which is crazy, because I've never known who he is. And... Uh, Funny thing, after all these years of my dad having a desire for his father, um, you know, we, we, we learn who he is. Guess where he lives? Five miles from my house. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. In Nashville. Here in Nashville. Yep. Here in Nashville. And, uh, and so my parents said, well, we got his address. We should, we should just go over there. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. You know, like, you know, you've already heard from your half-sisters that he does not like company and that he'll probably threaten you. I mean, that's what his half-sisters told him. That, honest to God, that's what they said. And, um, and he said, okay, well, I'm going anyway. And, I mean, you know, he's 53 years old. He's had a desire for his dad, my, 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 his adopted father, my grand-grand, who is amazing. He's passed on. But, um, you know, he, he, went over, he went over to his house. And, and uh, my dad's dad was washing his car in the driveway. And so he, he walked over to him and, and, you know, I said, Dad, what? I wasn't with him. He dropped us off. I said, what were you feeling in that moment? He's like, I was so afraid. And it's crazy because even though he had never really met his dad, he was so afraid of being rejected by him. So he was like, I have a desire for my dad. I don't really know this man, but I have a desire for him. And, and he walks up and he says, hey, my name's Jeff, and I think you're my dad. And, uh, and, and the, the guy said, uh, I know who you are, you know. And uh, he said, I, I, I know about you, but to be honest, there has been a handful of um, kids in your same situation who've approached me over the years and I just you know I'm, I'm sorry I don't remember I don't know I you know and and you know of course my dad said hey can we have a relationship can we get connected and you know, he seemed open to that to some extent but the point I'm trying to make here in sharing this all is not necessarily about my biological grandfather although it's an incredible God story the point I really want to leave you with is more so the experience that my dad had with his adopted father my grand grand because my dad he's always had this desire for his biological father 
But there is something that shifted in him when he was young, when he understood his father's desire for him, his adopted father's desire for him. And one day my dad was in trouble and, and this was a common theme of his youth. My dad got in a lot of trouble, kind of like me. And uh, my grand-grand, who loved cars very much, decided to take my dad out for a ride. And this is something my dad did with me when I was a kid. And, uh, and, and I, I want to read to you guys what my, uh, what my grand-grand said to my dad. Because it so marked his spirit. And I wrote it down because I really wanted to read it to you guys today. So, my dad was in trouble, of course, and as my grand-grand talked to him, he said this. He said, most kids have their parents because they were born to their parents. They had no choice. They just ended up there. But not you. You do not have me as your father because you were born into my family. You have me as your father because I chose you. I desired you. I picked you. And because of that, you are my son. And you need never forget that. Why do, I, why do I share all of this with you today? Is because there's something that shifts radically in your life when you truly understand the Father's desire for you. It awakens your desire for Him. And my dad tells of that moment as a moment that marked his life. And he said, you know, I didn't even want to misbehave anymore. I didn't even want to do things that would cause my father pain anymore. I didn't even want to do things that would ruin and destroy my life anymore. Because once I was awakened to the desire of my father, there was a desire that sprung up in me to be pleasing to my father and have a real relationship, restoration, and a dynamic connection with my dad. And that's what took place. And they were best friends until he died. When Jesus walks the shoreline of your life today, he's looking at you saying, I see you. And what you must understand is that his desire for you is so radical. It is so rich. It is so dynamic that the longing of his heart is that you would see him in return. And he vacated heaven, made himself of no reputation, all for the purpose of you seeing him. So I know I kind of went all over the place this morning in the... 9 a.m. message. But the point that I wanted to hammer home today was that God sees you. And because of that, you can be made by Him. You can see Him in return. Amen? Amen. I ask you guys to stand and we'll pray. Can I I be honest with you guys as I'm closing? I got two yeses. I was was afraid about, you know, just getting up here and talking to you. Because I'm like, man, you know, I want to have like a good prepared like three-point message. But uh, it's funny that as much as I tried to put words together this week, and I have a a 10-page message. 10 pages of notes. So don't think I didn't have any. But the message came together this morning in my conversations with you. I, I, I talked to a few people. I said, I'm, I, 
that inspired me for the message. I'm going to use that in the message. And uh, we were talking about that inspired me for the message. And then I heard Asaph's training. I said, that inspires me for the message. And I heard Maggie's offering. I said, that inspires me for the I'm going to take all that and just have a little family vegetable soup medley. So maybe today will be a day we can circle on the calendar and say, okay, I maybe wouldn't have articulated it like that, but there was a pivot that took place for us. Would you guys join me in praying for that? So, Lord, we just ask you that you make today significant for us well beyond that we can make for ourselves. And we thank you, God, for all that you've done in our lives today, all that you're doing in our hearts. God, show us who we are to you. Look upon us in such a real and profound way that it shakes us to our core and that we long to see you beyond seeing anything else. We love you, God, and our desire is for you. We want you, and we stand on your truth, and we say, just come get us, God. Just make us. Just fill us up and send us out, God. Transform us more into your image. We want you. We want to see you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen.